This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... This episode of Crucial Tech is the beginning of a search for the holy grail of cybersecurity. Products and services that actually make us safer without breaking the budget. They do exist, but there's no one company that delivers everything. So we're going to kind of break it down into separate sections for you. Now, there have been reports of companies that got hit with a cyber attack who never implemented security practices after the attack, who get hit again by the same criminal gang. Some studies claim that up to 3% of victims fall into that category. Why do they ignore the problem? Part of it comes from the confusing and massive collection of tools and services to choose from. And part of it comes from the sheer expense of those tools. On the latter, security experts and providers say the same thing. Well, the cost of security is nowhere near as much as the cost of recovering from an attack. Sure, that's true. But that still doesn't make the cost any less daunting to a small business owner. So today we're going to provide some relief to both of those issues for small businesses. First, a business owner needs to understand where the weakest link is and start with penetration testing. You need to look at penetration testing services. There are hundreds of them, and they all do the same thing. Some of them do all of it for you, but tend to be expensive. Then there are others who have automated tools that you can subscribe to that might be less expensive than hiring the full service. But most of them are also relatively expensive, ranging from an annual license fee of up to $25,000. But we found one that is both automated tools and can be, that can be enhanced with professional services that could cost below $100 per scan. Now, the name of the company is Ronin Pentest. They're out of England. We talked to the founder, Ben Brown, and his marketing consultant, Simon Lingard, for about an hour going off on multiple tangents, which were quite entertaining, but I've had to edit out most of that uh, because we had to get to the point. Ronin Pentest offers an automated web-based tool that can be used by anyone to go through the top 10 vulnerabilities as listed by the Open Web Application Security Project, or OWASP. If you want to see what that list is, just search for OWASP Top 10 Vulnerabilities and you'll be able to find them. But let's go to the interview now and learn about an easy way to protect yourself before you get hit. So I've been looking at the automated pen testing, which is what you guys do, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, as much as, as much as one can. Yeah. So I, I want I'll, be, before we we get into that sort of thing. That's one of the things I'd like to find out is what makes you different from all the other pen testers like Pentera and Nets, uh, Sparker and Acumetrics and. Uh, I think the difference is um, the object the objective of our approach. Okay. Uh, all of those companies are large and established and tend to cater to large established companies who are already geared up to do security testing, have internal teams who deal with these things and, and know what they're doing. 
And um, the difference is that the whole concept behind Ronin was that when Michael and I uh, decided to set up together, the idea was to... Who's, who's Michael? Michael is my partner, who's uh, okay. uh, my, my techni technical partner. Um, and uh, the, our idea was to open up uh, pen testing to a wider audience of SMEs who don't have, uh, in many cases, the budget to afford conventional pen testing, which is a, an expensive service, and also don't have the internal expertise to actually be able to, to deal with the, the results of being tested. Um, so what we uh, combined with that was the, the thought that while, while pen testing is uh, very complex and a lot, of, a lot of what we do requires a human behind the keyboard to actually get it, get it to work, there is equally a lot of tasks that are, are repetitive and automatable. Uh, so the idea was that by automating the bits that can be automated, we um, can drive down the costs and bring it, make it accessible to a wider audience. Um, and therefore, once, they, once they've dealt with the, the low-hanging fruit that you can find via automation, then they will hopefully have some, some budget and, so, and a better understanding to spare so that they can uh, then take advantage of manual pen, pen testing as well. Okay. Um, is there any other company that's doing the same kind of approach? In other words, making pen testing affordable? Uh, yes, I think there's a, there's a couple of uh, more established competitors in our in our more immediate area. Okay. Uh, one, one is called uh, Intruder.io, uh, so they're they're probably our our most established uh, direct competitor. Okay. But do they do exactly the same thing, Ben? Uh, I, I, they do they do a similar thing. I don't think they do it in, in, with quite the same motivations. So I think they're, they're okay. So what's the motivation? That's a good one. Well, I, 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 I can't, don't want to put words into their mouths. Well, I'm talking, you know, I'm well, I mean, this, just tell, me, this tell is your, me the words. I'll do it. This is, this is your chance. Uh, what I, what, and I think they I think they're aiming more at the the, the larger and more established customers, okay. um, aiming to to have an approach whereby they they automate automate uh, a certain amount of the testing, uh, but they also do do uh, manual pen testing as well. Okay. And you, you guys don't do manual pen testing? We do, yes, yep. Oh, so okay. once, once the automation has sort of left off, then we, we pick up and run with the ball on, a, on, a, on the manual side. Okay. Can I be one of those really annoying salespeople who keep jumping up like a donkey in Shrek and making comments? Um, <laughs> for, from an outsider's point of view, right, I, I had 20 years in governance and control in financial services before I came into this industry. So the whole risk framework thing is, something i understand albeit not industry specific and there's all this talk of this perceived skills gap right that people keep talking about when there isn't one what there is is an education gap right across the industry and i think from an outsider's perspective looking in that this tool and not only this tool there's other ones in the market that don't do the same thing but provide structure for other parts of the process where if Ben's tool was combined with a another tool, it could provide a framework for a CISO or even an ISM who wasn't at CISO level to put in place risk analysis, assessment, mitigation controls, that they can allocate a lot of that work to people who are just qualified because they would then have that framework and process in place. And what I'm seeing is this big disconnect between all the companies pulling in different directions 
from, from coming from an outside point of view when i mean these companies are bringing things to market and i'm seeing the actual use of them as something different to what they seem to think it is and whilst ben had a very clear vision on his route to market and the target market he had i've spoke to 90 cybersecurity firms i reckon since we've been working together ben and there's loads of them who are clueless with it you know they've built these arcs and expect people to turn up and i don't know i'm saying is i think with tools like ben's and other tools in the market if someone was there to bring it all together and shake them a little bit that then there wouldn't be any kind of skills gap uh, we're going to quote you on that anyway simon well, whatever, uh, yeah. <laughs> i've been quoted on worse <laughs> so let's get back to your product what is it that you do automate um, what we automate is the finding of what uh, in the industry are called low-hanging uh, low fruit. So things like um, misconfigurations around cookies, around headers, um, injection floors. Um, basically, we're, we're aiming to, to pick up as much of the OWASP top 10 as we possibly can on the web application side. Uh, and on the infrastructure side, it's uh, and the, the vast majority of vulnerabilities are going to be around either using unencrypted protocols or out of date uh, and unsupported software versions. Okay, that's that's how the majority of uh, of uh, baddies get in, and you'll you'll I think you'll find if uh, if you're I don't know how much you read up around uh, ransomware, but the majority of ransomware attacks tend to come either from um, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, CBE, compromised business emails, where people get a, a username and a password. They manage to connect that with a remote desktop um, interface, which is exposed to the internet. They log in, and after that, it's game over. Or, or by exploiting out-of-date software that's, uh, that's no longer supported and has, has publicly disclosed vulnerabilities. The theory is that with our, we've got our... Um, uh, open source intelligence scan, which will scrape uh, things like the have I been, been pwned database and a, and a number of other ones to search for compromised emails and associate them with the with the parent domain. And we also scrape uh, LinkedIn in order to gather gather a user list and sort of co collate the two together. So that that's kind of the automation of the reconnaissance element of a pen test uh, as, mu as much as is possible. Uh, so then once, once you've done your reconnaissance, then you're into uh, scanning and testing. So we'd give it uh, the IP address of your internet facing servers, uh, scan all, uh, all the two, uh, TCP ports and the top 1000 UDP ports uh, for unsupported software, um, unencrypted communications, um, exposed uh, login interfaces. And then once you've covered your infrastructure, you've done your reconnaissance, you've done your infrastructure, then you move on to your web websites or web applications, uh, scan them again with the scanner that goes goes with uh, web apps, and then you've got a pretty good picture of what a hacker's eye view from the internet is on your on your company. One crucial factor is is that you need to actually have a, a definitive list of all all your internet facing assets, and that. Uh -huh often proves people's undoing. Yeah, I, there was um, a company, Firemont. They came out with a survey uh, last February. I've try, been trying to get their data on that, but essentially they they did uh, um, a, a, a survey of 
companies about what what they they were seeing uh, as far as uh, the holes in in their uh, their security. Yeah, and they, they said, okay, well, how many internet facing devices do you have in your network? And they said, okay, uh, we have uh, five hundred of them. Okay, yeah. well, in the uh, financial sector, they found that all of the people that, that took the, the survey was off by 50%. I can well surprising. believe that. I can well believe it. Uh, uh, and that, that's pretty terrifying stuff. It, it, really, it really is. Uh, and it's one of the things that I've, I've been asking a lot of people about. Uh, and they, they kind of get stunned by that. But I think what you're, you're saying here is, uh, do, do you actually, do, can you discover what devices are, are? To a certain extent. So we can do, we can use um, DNS to do reverse lookups and we can gather a certain amount of uh, information using that. But if, and if you consider uh, the scenario where um, X person in the development department um, has found it's convenient for them to spin up a box connected to the network, but in the cloud somewhere, which they use for one particular little task that they do, and it makes their life easier, but they haven't considered the sort of the overall impact that that might have on the rest of the network. Chances are the, the network administrator isn't even gonna be aware of that asset, yeah. even though it is actually linked into his, his patch. Um, and so it's a question of, and I hesitate to call them a rogue employee because they're, what they're doing is not intentionally rogue, but the, the net effect may be um, to reduce the overall uh, security stance of the network. Yeah. And if you've got if you've got a you know a network of thousands of people and ten percent of them are all doing these sorts of things, then then things get out of hand pretty quickly. A lot of people buy expensive boxes, plug them into their network, and think, "Okay, problem solved," yeah. without really considering that it, it requires a massive amount of configuration in order to actually make it work. Mm -hmm. And they think, "Okay, I, pay, I paid the bill. Now, now I'm home free." Uh, unfortunately, it's back to that. It's back to that education gap, though, isn't it? Between that yeah. disconnect between those SMEs. I mean, you were saying earlier, Lou, about we look after these 500 companies, you know, Fortune 500s or whoever it might be, which is great. But the understanding, I mean, I had a financial services company. We didn't turn over masses. But up until only four years ago, you know, I had a, a, we had a quarter of a billion under management. I hadn't even considered cybersecurity at all. And yeah, that wasn't because I was ignorant. You know, it's because as an industry, we hadn't addressed it. And I've got a funny feeling until this year that no industries have really addressed it. And there you have the problem of you've got all these different companies running around kind of saying they can do the holy grail boxes, like you said, and do we need a penetration tester? When what they need is more than all of that. They they need they actually well, need the infrastructure. All, all, all of these things are, are elements in an, yeah, in an overall exactly. solution. None of them is a solution on its own. And until that education piece changes, so in, until the people who are advising these CEOs and MDs actually give them some decent advice or some informed advice, then the problem's going to continue, isn't it? But the problem is, is that a lot of companies are appointing CISOs who have absolutely no background in security. Uh, like yeah. the, uh, I, I just mentioned this in my podcast, um, the, uh, the minister in Japan in charge of cybersecurity for the government has never touched a computer. <laughs> and when they were interviewing him, they were talking about flash drives 
It says it, it, about the, the security problems of flash drives, and he's he wasn't quite sure what a flash drive was. It's like when you see senators asking questions of Mark Zuckerberg, and it just it beggars belief. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and, and the thing is, these are the guys who are getting put in there. But I think most of the time, when an executive is made a CISO, it's not because of his experience in security; it's because he's going to be the fall guy. Yeah, he may be an, he may be an excellent administrator, which is definitely a, 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 a prerequisite for being a CISO. But um, yeah, partly, it's more than partly, that. It's more than that, partly, isn't it? Yes, and security, and also, and I, I I look at all these articles written for and by CISOs, and I think it's the most underrewarded job in the world. I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. No, um, basically, you take you take all of the flack and get none of none of the praise when things go well. It's uh, it looks like it's all downside to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, apart, I'm, from the, apart from the two hundred and fifty grand a year salary there is, I suppose. They, I think they earn that. <laughs> There was an article recently in VentureBeat, which gave kind of a spurious number that 80% of the companies that pay the ransomware get hit again. Uh, that may not be true, but it seems to be true that it happens very often. What do you think? I, I, read, I, read, I read one article where it was a company, they got hit by exactly the same ransomware in exactly the same place, having paid out three or four million bucks. Yes. Um, and they, they paid the ransom and then they didn't fix the vulnerability. And that, that again, is just, uh, that, that's, so, that, that's um, corporate insanity. So, yeah. so that brings up this question. Should a company hire you guys before they get hit, while they yeah, get we, hit, we do, we do, or after they get we do, hit? We do, we, do, we do prevention rather than cure, definitely. Yeah. And there, there's a whole separate industry in cyber forensics that we... And, and again, Ben, you've, you've said to me before, and you're a big advocate in promoting this to everyone you speak to and everyone you advise, and that there's no such thing as a 100% secure solution. You can do it, you know, even from, even from your pen testing point of view, there's only so much you can do to, yeah. to make it safe. And I think the fact your honesty on that is refreshing compared to some people who speak to people in the industry. Uh, here, yeah, here's here's the uh, the stat that I was looking at. Three percent of the respondents said they did not make any new security investments after a ransomware attack. Three wow. percent. I mean, like, on which planet is that even something you could say publicly? <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's, it's, they it's, they weren't identified. It was just part of the survey. No, but I, if, and I think that if it's comes down to certain, one one element of the solution is a generational change when these these um the old guys who don't have an understanding of the tech stop being the 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 arbiters of of what what gets budgets and what doesn't uh, i think we'll see we'll see a a, a sea change um but yeah also also i think i know to be to be really really brutal i think um C-level C-level board members ought to be criminally culpable for data breaches. Well, you're in agreement if with uh, those guys up. Suddenly, they're going to pay notice. Yeah, uh, you're in agreement with Gartner. I don't know if you saw the, the study that, that Gartner put out uh, in September. Yes, that they, they said by 2025, CEOs are going to be held criminally and civilly liable for uh, physical injury caused to customers and users uh, if the, if there was something that they could have done to prevent it. And I think I think that should be extended to include data breaches as well. Yeah, well, it probably will be. Uh, 
but but yeah, no, that, 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 that's my, my my brutally honest opinion is I don't think that I don't think that they're going to put their hands in their pockets until they're compelled to do so do, compelled to do so by self interest. What do you think about the CEO of Colonial who you know when when they got hit he says well we invested millions of dollars in upgrading our security. Yeah, um, he also went on to say that it was a highly sophisticated attack. I dispute that statement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I think I think what you said earlier about um, when you're doing your top ten that you you find it you know, the most common is a compromised email, and yes. my understanding of uh, most cybercrime is that they come in the form of kits. Organizations uh, like Darkside they actually sell their software packages to people who have absolutely no background in, in uh, computer science. It's, it's, it's cheaper to become a phishing attacker now than it ever has in the past. Or and there's, there's phishing as a service, there's ransomware as a service. You don't need to be a techie to be a bad guy anymore. Yeah. And that's how North Korea funds their nuclear weapons program. Right. Okay. So, uh, no <laughs> so while, while we're talking about money, and I know you probably don't want to say anything, but how much does it cost to use your service? Under a hundred bucks a scan. Wow, you actually came out and said it. So how many how many scans does it take? Uh, so that that would be for one server, and it would include all the all the ports and any web ser web servers present on those ports. Uh, that's eighty five pounds. So you know, depending on the the fluctuations of the given day, it's it's more like it's more like sixty something dollars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a single IP address is twelve pounds, uh, fourteen, fifteen pounds. So um, twenty two dollars or something like that. Now, do, are they buying the service, or do they buy a software package from you and do it themselves? It's a web-based platform, so you log in, you buy credits, and you use them as you see fit. So I think that's 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 the beauty of what you've got, Ben, is that all these other people out there who I speak to all want twenty-five grand licensing fees up front for packages, whereas yeah. yours really is aimed at the people you want to suit, which is those who yeah. haven't got twenty-five grand sitting around to buy packages. Is people who need to dip in and out. Like yeah, people, and... people who would run down the street screaming if you said twenty-five thousand to them. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So, just for your marketing efforts, yeah, uh, this is probably where you fall into the line of a holy grail. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because yeah, that that's that's been the biggest problem. You know, people, yeah, I understand when a businessman says to me, "I can't afford cybersecurity services or products." That that's exactly the objection that we're attempting to address. And and that is that is the biggest problem in cybersecurity. That's where most of the malware spreads. Yes, it's through small and medium businesses. Yeah, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're parts of the supply chains of the larger businesses who then get popped as well. Yeah. Okay, that's where I'm, I'm going to leave it. We went on for a while about lots of other things that we were having a good time, but I wanted to keep this uh, within our time parameters. I'll be doing a larger piece on uh, the area of uh, penetration testing services at cyberprotectionmagazine.com. Uh, but this is something I know we got kind of deep in the weeds on the technology here. Um, 
but that's uh, I, that was intentional. I wanted you to be able to hear that there are people out there that are providing cybersecurity services at an affordable cost so that you can at least do the basics. And penetration testing is one of the basics. It's one of the things you've got to do right up front in order to protect your website. And uh, I, I, I hope for people who have a business out there or who are connected to businesses who have been attacked uh, by cyber criminals that you can let them know about these services and that it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. So this has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech. Hope you enjoyed this, the program. If you have any questions or concerns, you can go to the anchor.fm slash crucial tech page. And there is a button on there that you can leave a one minute comment or question and may even turn uh, that into an entire uh, podcast. So uh, give it a shot. Uh, you can also connect with me at cyberprotectionmagazine.com in the contact uh, page and uh, you can leave your comments there. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been Crucial Tech, a Footwasher Media production.